0: on today's episode we interview the chief commercial officer of aspen rx health hope you enjoy hello everyone welcome to another episode of rx radio i'm your host richard waith i'm excited about today's episode we have the chief commercial officer of aspen rx health clayton Wahlberg. welcome to the show
1: thanks richard appreciate you asking me to join
0: so uh this is going to be uh you know obviously a continuation of some of the other episodes we've had around aspen um rx health and and some of the other leaders of the organization but i'm really curious about your perspective um you know being uh, the chief commercial officer which i'm excited to just even understand exactly what that means (laughs) um but before we kind of get into your role at aspen and dive a little bit into um, some of the things that you do day to day and and the focuses of the organization can you first start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey leading up to aspen
1: yeah no well first and foremost thanks for asking Uh, i'd start out by saying you know wow careful careful what you ask for but uh You know, from a career-wise standpoint, and the journey that got me here it was—it's proven rather interesting that you know my first conversations with David Medvedev and the remainder of the executive team really created this—you know—convergence of my past experience at uh, in my careers. It just really all kind of congealed around the opportunity uh, for chief commercial officer at Aspen. So if we if we go back a little bit, I've spent the better part of 20 years working at the nexus of healthcare and technology. Most of that's been in startups. I've had a, um, a, a you know, at least one short tenure within what we would call corporate America, but um, entered back into the startup world and co-founded an organization called Tav Health. Uh, we built a two-sided marketplace that connected socially vulnerable health plan members with community-based organizations that assisted in addressing and remediating their social determinants of health. So while the term social determinants of health today has become a buzzword within health plan, within health plan side of business, it was really an unknown term when we started almost a decade ago. So as a first in market solution, I gained a significant amount of experience in product development, commercialization. There weren't any social determinants of health companies. uh, And we had to create a market for ourselves. We found ourselves really deeply focusing in a lot of the CMS's innovation programs, specifically around bundled payments or bundled payment models, um, and a lot of time and effort in Medicare and Medicaid plans and their populations and helping them identify the downstream impact of what SDOH does from a cost standpoint and from a member's ability to manage their healthcare, to manage their pharmacy. Ran that company from a sales and marketing and a commercialization standpoint for about nine years. Ultimately, we were acquired by an organization named Signify Health in 2019, and approximately a year later, um, post-acquisition, the opportunity to join Aspen arose. I had the opportunity to meet with uh, David Medvedev and Leah Cardin uh, and Wu Hong Lee, who are the original founders. It was just such a deep cultural match with the leadership. As well as with my collective experience in health plans, pharmacy, and healthcare technology, that uh, it was really a difficult opportunity to pass up, and I was thrilled to join when they asked me.
0: Awesome. Well, I can definitely see, you know, how a lot of these experiences kind of led towards, um, you know, you fitting right into uh, the operational, um, the operations at Aspen RX Health. So, can you let us know what your role is um, at Aspen? I mean, like, this, what what is an like a chief commercial officer? I mean, what's that role like there?
1: Yeah, it's it's a fair question. Um, And it's actually pretty simple. It it really is comprised of a couple of key areas that I would drop into categories of company strategy, product management, or the development of product, and the commercialization of those products, which is ultimately growing the company. So my team is comprised of uh, marketing, sales, product, and what I would call strategy. So if, if you think about Aspen, we've created a, a pharmacist community of over 5,000 pharmacists operating a gig economy model. It's a first of its kind, and it truly provides us unique opportunity to maximize the training that pharmacists have received um, to deliver high-quality clinical consultations to our clients, members, and patients. Where it gets really interesting is then what specifically do we do, how do we do it, How do we message it? How is it ultimately priced? What is the experience that we're going to provide and give to our clients? And what is the value prop that they're going to receive from that? All of that rolls up into the term of commercialization. And to simplify it even further, I would really say it falls into three key categories. Number one is we need to generate brand awareness. As an organization that's been in business for about three years, We spent the first uh, 18 months really building the technology, testing the technology, working with a couple of early partners. Once the product was proven, it worked in those organizations, then we had to go to market. And in order to be successful on market, people have to know who you are. When our health-blind clients are making decisions, we want them to know who Aspen Health is, and we want to be included in those decisions. So bringing in marketing and marketing leadership, it was key. To the commercialization part and that's really first and foremost to the organization from a commercialization standpoint the, the second piece that we need to deliver is products that our clients need so the commercialization uh moniker that's provided me really does focus deeply on building products and ensuring that we're delivering services that our health plan clients need and want so while our technology and really the sheer size of the aspen could Pharmac- pharmacist community has created a ton of buzz. Ensuring we packaged our capabilities to deliver results for our clients is what is most key. So to date, we put together packages uh, and solutions that focus on generating improved Medicare STARS performance. We've gone after specific complex conditions management where a pharmacist is really apropos to managing some of the multiple medications management that may be required for some for a, uh, a chronic condition uh, we've looked at how we can actually conjoin join these various different consultations that our pharmacists provide in a more efficient fashion so that we can map maximize any of the actual interventions or opportunities and time that we have on the phone with our health plan members ultimately putting all of those items together manifests itself in our ability to consult with our clients and deliver very specific products that are much more client focused versus just off the shelf.
0: So I think last, our last Aspen episode, we kind of dived into the details about like, like the quality MTM interaction. Um, so I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm curious to get a, a vantage point or a different view as to like who gets targeted for these solutions. Um, so like what the outreach is like and, and I think you had touched on kind of the opportunities for targeting specific areas um, in disease states. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that as well?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think from some of the, the previous conversations that you've had with us, there was a, a focus on what I would call the usual suspects, which is really going to be Medicare star measures, um, where we do provide services for medication therapy management. We do a lot of work in adherence. We do a lot of work in A number of other quality measures, whether it be in HEDIS or or Medicare STARS, where, where, in my opinion, the magic really occurs is when we get outside of just pure quality measures and we start looking at, are there other populations of health plan members that could benefit from a pharmacist engaging with them? So if we think about the idea of MTM, which is primarily focusing on individuals that have a myriad of chronic conditions... Um, are utilizing a myriad of different meds and have a high spend, that actually generally falls into the category of folks that have a lot of complex conditions. So traditionally, health plans or any of these care coordination organizations have used nurses to do this. I would argue that a pharmacist is probably even better suited in in this case to manage not only the star measures that fall into Part D, but also to manage some of these chronic conditions longitudinally. So a couple of examples, you know, today we built in our operating a couple of diabetes programs where we're following individuals from their compliance in medication. Once we've ensured that they're compliant in their medication process, we may jump in and work with them on adherence, identifying social barriers as to why they aren't adherent. Is it patient education that they can't afford it? How can we help maintain that adherence to their medication? If their need to maintain certain clinical values, like an A1C, if they fall out of range, can a pharmacist engage with that member longitudinally and provide education on how best to manage that A1C to, to potentially work with them to adjust their meds? All those are items that we are pushing our pharmacists towards doing, which is not the traditional place that we find pharmacists within a care coordination model. I think there's other examples in that that we've been approached to perform, which uh, HIV is a really unique population that has a very sophisticated medication methodology behind it. Again, the idea of, for example, moving a patient that is struggling with HIV from a dual therapy to the new single therapy medications. To ensuring that they're adherent and they have access to those medications to receiving clinical data that helps us best understand their viral loads and if they're out of range do we outreach and engage with that member over time to help them bring that down so there's a lot of places that we're pointing towards and getting outside of what i would consider just the usual star measures that um, i'm really clearly the most it's the reason i'm most excited to be at aspen is to expand the capabilities and the reach and the training that pharmacists have to the broader community.
0: It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, a trend I've been seeing recently over the last couple of years is these healthcare organizations that have a very specific focus in healthcare. For example, like, like, pharm- like pharmacies like Roman or um, where they're, you know, it's targeting a spe- you know, specific population of people and only delivering a specific set of medications um, or providing care around, you know, specific disease states. So it seems like there's a trend that is moving towards having specialized services dedicated to, you know, specific disease states and specific health conditions.
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. And it continues to get more and more specialized. Um, I'm just, what I found most interesting, having you know, dialed back to my past experience, when I worked at McKesson, I spent a lot of time in the hospitals and I spent a lot of time in academic facilities, and it provided me the opportunity to see pharmacists in training who were performing clinical rounds. They were rounding with the physicians in training. They were engaging with the patients that were there. They were working with them on their medication regimen. They were providing education, guidance. So this traditional mindset of a pharmacist, once they graduate, standing behind a counter, dispensing medications, is really not where their training was. And I believe the ability, like Rowan may be specializing in certain areas, the ability for pharmacists to become more specialized in their clinical expertise is where we drive the ultimate value for our health plans. So whether that be in specific chronic conditions, whether it be in educational processes, or whether it be in building panels, where pharmacists can manage their own personal panel over time and they may potentially manage chronic conditions, star measures, um, medication adherence issues, all with for each patient over the period of a year and manage a thousand patients that are tied to their panel.
0: Yeah, That, make, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you've you've clearly have a lot of experience in healthcare. Um, you know, with the different companies you started um, and, and large organizations you've been a part of coming to uh, to Aspen and, you know, being introduced and, and diving into the MTM industry. Is there anything that's like most surprised you the most or like that stands out in terms of like what's really what's a, an interesting part about MTM or a difficult part or um, anything surprising there around you just your, you know, coming to MTM being. Likely something different from what your past roles were that um, that you'd like to give some insight on.
1: Um, you know what I'd say probably the, the the most surprising piece is the intent of MTM as it was as it was originally formulated was quite broad. You know, it's the the idea of engaging with a member, reviewing their medications, um, identifying any problems with those medications, being educational in nature, was really a holistic approach to managing medication management, and I would even argue some condition management. What really surprised me is you put it into a measure, oftentimes it becomes something that I need to complete and be done. And so as we've expanded our our capabilities to get outside of the MTM, to offer a variety of different interventions, I think it does go back to the original intent of medication therapy therapeutic management which is to engage with the member over time, identify the issues that they're struggling with, potentially come back 30 days later for follow-ups, address a net new issue if they have a compliance issue with medications, if they have a lab value that has gone out of whack that can be supported by titration of medications. Uh, That's probably the area that surprised me most is we're not maximizing... The longitudinal value that a pharmacist can bring by engaging with a member over time in maximizing the amount of type of interventions and consultations that they can provide.
0: Do you think that's also a function of the the us being tied to the measures? Or when I say us, like, you know, like healthcare outcomes and things like that being heavily weighted and tied back to measures.
1: I mean, I think, of course. I mean, there's some pretty sizable dollars and cents that are tied back to being successful in these measures. Um, Absolutely. I I don't think there's any way to get around that. Um, I do believe that uh, in what attracted me to Aspen most was our platform, our technology, our ability to put pharmacists in front of members in a very easy, simple, cost-effective manner creates an opportunity for us to actually grab the attention that the quality measures drive and force health plans into looking at, and then truly go after some of the additional downstream available improvement in member outcomes, improvement in member experience, um, improvement in their condition, which ultimately manifests itself in lower cost.
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, there's just so much around these measures and, um, you know, I think all the way down to like even community pharmacists are, are you know, feeling the almost just that need to just kind of check the box. And then I do feel like we miss out on other opportunities there. So it's, it's glad to hear that Aspen is, you know, sounds like it's it, the goal is to go much further than that and provide much more value beyond just checking a box. Now, uh, one thing I, I wanted to uh, uh, circle back towards is your experience at the, uh, as a uh, vice president of medication safety uh, for McKesson. And you had mentioned that there was a robotics company. I think that was um, that was acquired by them. And I'd like to, talk a little bit uh, quite a bit about technology on on the podcast and i'd love to hear maybe just like a high level as to like what the robotic was doing um you know or just give us like a high level of what that company was and how it was you know helping with medication safety
1: yeah hey, you're, you're going to require me to yeah. delve back into the recesses of my mind from 12 to 15 years <laughs> ago but um no, it was it was actually a really fascinating product. Uh, for anyone that's been in a hospital, I think everyone's seen the Pixels Machines, which was really the one of the first uh, automation efforts in medication management, medication dispensing, and medication safety in the hospital. Uh, the group that I started to work with was a company called Automated Healthcare, and they had ultimately built a central dispensing robotic device that picked medications. And the intent of that was is it established a barcoding foundation within the hospital. And that barcoding foundation was the basis of creating medication safety. So we were focused on the five rights. Am I delivering, uh, hopefully I can remember this correctly, am I delivering the right medication at the right time with the right route and the right position? And so by tracking all of that, you began to eliminate some of the mistakes that could happen during picking within the pharmacy you eliminated a lot of the mistakes that occurred within the logistics of delivering the medication to the right room, to the right patient. If I was able to then scan medications at the bedside because I built the barcoding infrastructure, I was ensuring that I wasn't creating any Sentinel events. I was creating no harm. I was ensuring the right meds reached the right patient at the right time. Vice versa, if I did have an issue, similar to kind of where we've headed with blockchain, I could follow everything back to where the problem occurred, and what break in that supply chain happened. So that, I mean, that was the the work that we that we had done. Um, the organization ultimately cr- created a whole myriad of other automated devices around that. We ended up getting in direct com- uh, competition against Pixis, developed a lot of supply management for pharmacists, um, where we could share and maximize the inventory with any specific hospital. It was, uh, it was a unique, really fun product. Fascinating to sit and watch uh, room-sized uh, robots turn around and pick meds, made for great video.
0: Really interesting stuff. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited to see the, the technology infusion into, you know, operations and all parts of healthcare. So it's really interesting to hear um, some of the things that you're working on there. Well uh, this was uh, you know very fascinating um, insights into you know what a, a commercial officer does um, for you know an organization like Aspenarch's Health. So thank you for that. And I do have one bonus question before I let you go. And uh, the bonus question is that I ask all the guests this, if you got the opportunity to take one person out to dinner and that person has to be alive and famous, um, which means like they have to have like a Wikipedia page and they cannot be any of the current or past presidents of the United States of America. Who would that person be and why?
1: Wow. Hmm. I would have to say uh Roger Federer. I played tennis Interesting. all my life. Um I uh, it's I've just always appreciated his professionalism, his um his skill at the game. Yeah, you know, it's if you've been a biggest fan, as as I've been, of uh, tennis my entire life, it would be a person that I think would be fascinating to sit down and have discussions with.
0: Yeah, he definitely seems like a... Um, I think he, he is like one of three that's had 20 Grand Slams, right? He,
1: he is. He is. He's uh, he's also one of the only men to win a Grand Slam over the age of 35. So for those of us that wow. are finding ourselves on the, uh, the wrong side of 40 and closer to 50, <laughs> um, he's a hero. <laughs> For that reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's well, very interesting here. Uh, Clayton, uh, thank you so much for your time and insights. Really do appreciate it. Um, it it's what's the best way to connect back um, with either yourself um, or Aspen Rx health.
1: The easiest way to find us is on the web at aspenrxhealth.com, or uh, feel free to look us up on our, on LinkedIn. You can search for Aspen Rx health on LinkedIn and follow us. Uh, follow our our social media updates on a regular basis
0: awesome well clayton this was a a great uh, great conversation thanks for your time
1: absolutely thank you richard
0: hope you all enjoyed that episode i am going to uh, put the uh, different ways to connect back with aspen in the show notes make sure to connect with Arx radio on any of your favorite social media platforms Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.